Everyone, Mattia, really, really excited about this episode. I have Nikki Mackie uh, in the show with me today. She's a business strategist specializing in human behavior. She also has a podcast and she's a book author as well. So there's a lot to cover today. She has over 20 years of experience in business. And like so many, she has, you know, she had her tough moments, which is ultimately her driver to give back to leave a lasting legacy by helping others grow to achieve the possibility in life. Thank you so much, Nikki, for being here with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's great to be on and to be sharing some of um, my my journeys um, and my good, bad, and ugly moments. And yeah. Um, yeah, it's really exciting to be sharing some of that today. Yeah, and you're also in Melbourne, so we are we're really yes. same time zone once in a while. It's so much easier. Um, I know. Nikki, were you born here in Melbourne, or did you born over? Were you born overseas and migrated to Australia? What was your story like? Yeah, so no, I was born. Um, I was actually born. I live in Bentley now, but I was um, and I was born in Bentley, spelt differently, in Perth. Um, oh. So I was there and we moved to Victoria when um, it was probably around four um, to um, Bendigo at the time, being a smaller Beautiful. country town. Yeah. Um, and, you know, lived there really till I uh, went to, finished university, came to Melbourne and then <clears throat> have lived in Sydney and in Melbourne. So, wow. um, yeah. Yeah, so I've been sort of all over the place, but I've been fortunate enough with my with my job and my family to travel lots of places around the world, um, but also around Australia as well. So it's been very cool. Lovely, lovely. Any favourite place in Australia, by the way? What's your pick? Um, look, my actually one of my favourite places is actually Bright. Um, you know, near um, near the snowfields. Um, I have family that live there, um, but it's also, it's just, you can be yourself, beautiful place, there's events on every weekend, and you also get the joy of going to the snow as well, but um, yeah, certainly outside of Australia, I have many beautiful places through Europe that I've been fortunate enough to experience. I think my favourite place is probably um, Barcelona and Dubrovnik. Beautiful, beautiful. I never heard, I yeah. never been there, but I heard a lot of good stuff about Barcelona. And I, I personally did a lot of bike riding in Bright, Fosh Creek, yes. Buffalo, Man Bullard as well. So I've been going yeah. uh, up and back the area for a bit. Um, and obviously, you have a lot of experience 20 years of experience in business. Um, and you've been involved with a lot of big corporations as well. Were you, was it before like your like kind of corporate job or did you actually start very early days as an entrepreneur? Um, yeah, so look, I really, I, I started in my early days, you know, straight out of uni, got a job um, at Crown Casino um, before oh. it, the temporary site. And um, so that was my thrown into the deep ends of, you know, the, the good, bad and the indifferent behaviour of individuals. And in, a, in Victoria at the time, it was the biggest employer. So there was a lot of social adjustment for people. So it was an amazing learning ground. Um, and then from, you know, from there, I went on to other corporate roles, um, relocated to Sydney and lived in Sydney for 10 years 
had my children and went, right, we probably both can't do this um, work, you know, 14, 16 hours a day at work and never be home. So I went, oh, what am I going to do now? So hence that's when I started my own business. Um, and, you know, I started with, the, oh, this will be easy. And my husband sat me down and went, okay, we probably need a little bit more detail. We need a business plan. We need to think about it. And, yeah, 20, 20 years later, three children later, moved into state, sustained a business, grown a business, and, um, yeah, absolutely have been fortunate to have an amazing amount of interactions where I've learned a lot but have also helped others learn as well, which has been phenomenal. I mean, from my personal experience, going from a you know working a job corporate to moving to my own business, there was a lot of fighting within myself about insecurity, but also trying to explain to other people what I was trying to do, and you know people don't understand why do you leave uh, working in finance? Why do you leave uh, this great salary? And it was not only my internal insecurity. What am I doing? Am I to do with enough to do this? You know just i'm just another one but also you know having to 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 deal with all of these external forces family friends mm -hmm. and was that similar to you what was some of the struggle that you had when you started your own journey as an entrepreneur yeah i think um you know in in terms of for myself it was really twofold it was the I've gone from being this 150% career woman to going, okay, now I've got children and I have a hobby of doing a business. So there was a lot of re-evaluating of self-worth and how can I get to, you know, this pinnacle and then step, step away. So there was a lot of feeling like, you know, it, has that been wasted? And I think COVID's done a lot of that for so many businesses as well is, with circumstances outside of our control, people have reassessed and gone, is it a failure if I'm not where I was prior to COVID? But where I actually am is that I didn't, I haven't lost any of what I did beforehand. I've just evolved into doing something different. But 100%, those conversations would be when people would say, so what do you do? And I go, I've got a business. Oh, great. What do you do? And I'd say human resources at that time and people would go, oh, so you recruit people. Yeah. Well, actually, I don't. I do all these other things. So there was this, I felt a sense of justifying my, my purpose quite yeah. a lot, which, you know, I'm sure you experienced as well when you go into your own thing. People either think you're crazy or that you're amazing but no one really knows what you do and what the yeah. challenges are that you come across. They don't understand. They don't understand. No. Really. And, and, and so, like, even human resources, I would submit that a lot of people don't really have a clarity. And so when they don't understand, like in business, they work online, if they don't understand, they, they just can't get their head around, right? And so we No, and I think... We're all, you know, so much of us, we're attuned to how, how what we do is defined in a corporate sense. But, you know, as, as we see now, you know, the largest growth of business is home-based businesses because just you don't need to be in a corporate environment to still have so much contribution. And, you know, that's what I've loved is I've been able to flex and change and be a big part or a little part of people's journey. 
yeah. um, and have, you know, got a great deal out of that, which has been amazing. Mm. So what, like in terms of your own business, what are the, you know, some of the type of clients that you work with? Like how, how does that, how do you work with them usually? How does it work? Yeah, so look, over the years, it's been every, anything from people, say, having a problem. Um, they might get an unfair dismissal case or they might have a problem and they don't know how to fix it. Mm -hmm. So they come to me with based on sort of my human behavioural experience or my strategy experience and I will come in and, you know, fresh set of eyes, be able to pull that business apart and work out where those friction points are and how they can change things and how they can platform to the next level. But I also come in and really... Um, it, it's been about doing everything from writing processes to dealing with, you know, high levels of trauma in organisations and individuals um, to, as I said, you know, maybe facilitating the strategic planning process for an organisation. So I can do anything from write a policy to also write a strategy for the business. And I've been very fortunate. I've worked with amazing clients over the years that I've grown at the same time as I've helped them grow in some areas as well. So when you look back at your own uh, journey as an entrepreneur, Nikki, what are some of the, you know, mistakes that you made that looking back, you're like, gee, if I, could, if I went back that, you know, you know, these, these and these, I definitely wouldn't do it. Uh, there may be someone going through a similar journey, uh, trying to start a similar business, you know, that, that could help them. Yeah, I think for me, probably the, the biggest thing to learn and when you're building a business is you say yes to everything and you lose sight of why some of the reasons that you want to do your own show is because you also want to control and get involved in the things you love. Um, you know, I talk about all the time that I love what I do and I happen to get paid. But the flip side of that is I've done lots of things that I didn't love, mm. that, you know, paid the bills, filled in the day, but I got too engrossed in the organisation and, um, you know, giving people advice going forward was really think about why you want to do this in the first place yeah. um, because it can get blurred um, by the opportunities that present themselves, you always say yes. And I think too, you know, whilst I've loved what everything that I've done, you know, I had to balance up what I sacrifice, like with anything to achieve that, you mm. know, mm. having three young children, there was years they spent more time with the nanny than they ever spent time with me. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it's the impact that every decision you have you still have that sense of how am I juggling all these balls and who potentially am I letting down, including myself at times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. And um, I was just making a note here, Warren Buffett and Charlie Mangar, they always said, you know, saying no is the, is, is you know, saying no to most of the things is what actually makes people successful and focusing on that one thing that you want to do rather than, having this thing about the shiny object syndrome that, you know, oh, this is yeah. the new thing, this is the new thing, this is the new thing. And most of the people that guess, we all, you know, tend to get stuck into in, in, struggle through that boredom, 
of the process, right? Yeah. Eventually, in the in, in there is the value disappointment. Everybody starts excited, and it comes down, and then eventually, this, you know, comes back up again. And that valley, that that you know, the the bottom of the curve is where everybody don't have the patience to keep putting mm. the work, keep doing the volume, keep being consistent and be willing to wait for the result. It's like the plant. You plant the seed that doesn't grow up tomorrow. It takes the season. And, um, and I think you're 100% correct. And that's why, you know, I set up my, my, my workforce that has always been having a bunch of connections with people that can go with the flow of the business. So most people that have worked in my team have been with me for over 10 years because and sometimes they work every day and sometimes they might not work for a couple of weeks because what I did is I went out and said I want to find all these talented people and particularly women being a mum of three kids talented women that had so much to offer but the traditional workplace at that time over that 20-year period couldn't allow for the opportunity Mm. so I said I'll always have work for you, but I'll fit in around. If you want to work till 3 a.m. and not start till 6 o'clock at night, I don't mind. Mm -hmm. So I've always been, you know, everyone's talking now about let people have the autonomy to do their job. I've always worked in that sense because, to me, you get the best out of people when you play to their strengths. and. So you can flex and and deal with whatever comes across um, comes across as an opportunity. Yeah, I, just, I don't know. Something I really struggled to understand why it took so long to understand that you can actually work like this and save so much time, money, mm-hmm. pollution, accidents, frustration from people. It's just a no-brainer. Um, what do you think? Um, you know. In terms of your journey, do you think there yep. was a moment or a few moments where you say, you know what, well, I just can't do this? Have you ever had like the moment of wanting to give up? Absolutely. And, you know, I think there's 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 the personal want to give up and there's the business want to give up. And the business one is always, you know, you're always looking at the books. You're always looking at how can I do something for nothing yeah. but do a great result yeah. because it's always... It's always your own assets on the line. It's always your sense of responsibility to others. So there's definitely been those moments. But over the last few years, you know, I, I consciously, you know, walked away for some very big paying paying um, engagements because I just went, right now I'm sacrificing too much for that. I have a... a, a, a um, a health condition that I've had for 15 years that, you know, makes me um, fall over. I'm in pain every second of every day and have been for 15 years. And I just went, you know what, I worry so many people by living as if I have the energy to run 20 hours a day. And so that led into, I suppose, probably some of my earlier in life-defining moments where, you know, I, I came from the most amazing family, super connected, super supportive. But what I also did is therefore put a huge expectation of being the perfectionist at everything. So, you know, you don't do anything unless you do it well. You know, you strive for the best all the time. Um, but 
you know, when I was, to share a personal story, when I was 15, um, you know, I'd been in a situation where I was Miss Popular, I was fun, I, you know, the world was beautiful. Mm. All those bright and shiny things were coming to me and then I, then I, at the time, went through a situation of being bullied and so my ideal of everything that made me whole and being accepted um, just fell away to the wayside and so I felt that there was no alternative than to not be a part of this world anymore and, you know, ended up in intensive care for multiple weeks and at the age of 15 left school and didn't do year nine or ten, went and, you know, worked in, you know, retail business, um, turned into a, one of those horrible, horrible teenagers that thankfully I didn't get with my own children, um, you know, started drinking before I should, being promiscuous before, you know, or even before I should and acting like I, I knew everything. Yeah. And, you know, after two years of um, being being that facade and trying to work out who I was, I went, okay, I'm going to go back to school. And I went, I missed year nine or 10. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went straight back into year 11 and 12 and went on to university. And I think there was two parts of that. I had to go back and face the demons of the people that were involved in the bullying. Um, but secondly, I had to face that, you know what, I had to have learned something from the last two years and that's I've gone from everyone's opinion matters to the only person's opinion that matters is my own. And that's a lot to go through at such a young age. So true, so true. Mm. And that's what stops a lot of people rushing their business, like what are people going to think about me? What are my ex-colleagues going to think about me? Um, how yeah. people are going to see me, what, you know, what are they going to talk about behind me? And, oh, and I think shame you. is what stops a lot of people because we're all worried about what, you know, how we are perceived that we're social animals. Um, yeah. How, how did you, you know, how did you ultimately were able, how were you ultimately able to overcome that demon and you know, to really go through that moment and, and, and finally, um, you know, break away from that? I think, um, look, you know, I, I certainly I, I broke away with it by showing that I, to myself, that I could do it by missing year nine and ten of school and going back and going on to university and, you know, getting a job before I graduated. It was like, okay, well, I'm really not as bad as I think I am. You know, I've still got, I've, I've got something that can make me successful and it made me very determined but I still had this little elephant there saying, yeah, but you still want everyone to like you. So that's, and that still is, as an adult, my vulnerable point. If I feel that I'm not liked, mm-hmm. um, you know, that that's my weakness, you know, and I, and that little voice in your mind starts self-doubting and, you know, and to be honest, this, the same sort of process happened to me again you know, through the COVID period of going, well, what I, what is my worth? What is my value? So I think it's, whilst it's never gone away, mm. I think with, with age and experience and helping so many other people is I also now have better 
ability and better knowledge to be able to see it before it bites me as hard as what it did when I was 15. Yeah, yeah, I love it. You know, and my advice to other people is, you know, I've been very fortunate to surround myself by, you know, with with great mentors, but also just great friends that accept me for who I am. And um, as long as I let them in, we're okay. It's yeah. just when you've been brought up as a perfectionist, you have a very strong facade and you don't always let, let people in. But, you know, I think when you do, you'll find that you'll have way less judgment by people than what that, that your own self-judgment happens with the little voice in your head. You know, I about um, would have been three years ago, uh, a good friend of mine, um, he was an ex-professional cyclist, um, mm-hmm. nicest guy, successful, had his bike shop in San Kilda, great guy, good looking, great family with two kids, two daughters, um, committing, uh, committing suicide, you know, hanging himself. Mm-hmm. And, and it was such a striking event in my life because the, literally the Sunday before I saw him in an event in San Kilda and we were joking. Yeah. And I just didn't yeah. see that coming. Mm. And, and, and it's those things that you, you, you wish you said you would have said something different. Yeah. You wish you would have done something different, um, but little or had no idea about that, you know? Yeah. What, what would it be your, um, your advice, you know, for someone that maybe is coming across a friend that is going through real struggle? Um, what would it be your advice you know, on what to do with that, with that friend? Yeah, I think, um, you know, probably my strongest advice is to, to reassure that person's vulnerabilities, you know, to reassure them that no matter how much money they have, how much success they have, it all doesn't matter. At the end of the day, what I do when I see people as being vulnerable is that I remind them of all the strengths they have and how little all those other things are important. So when I talk about it, you know, in the last three years, um, I've lost both my parents. And I talk about the fact that, you know, they, they left this earth with nothing in terms of financial and assets and all those sorts of things but they are the most happy, personally resolved people I'd ever met in my life. And what they left with me was their legacy of that. You set out to make a difference in people's lives. And that can just be by saying hello to someone when you walk past them on the street. And so my advice to people is never presume just because what you see on the outside of someone means they're okay on the inside. And it's really important to stop and take time and check in with those people that we love. And instead of sitting there and talking about all the peripheral things that we do, it doesn't actually hurt to sometimes just go, I'm just checking in to see you're okay. And if we don't start the conversation, we'll never see people's vulnerability because it's not a natural state for most people to show it. And and particularly in organizations, corporations, I feel like everybody, you know, the jumpy meetings and it's like straight to the point. Nobody's asking anymore. How are you? 
No. And no, or if absolutely. they do, if, if they do, they don't mean it. Hey, how you going? But yeah. they don't actually stay there and listen. How are you? How is your family? How is your how is your day going? You know, like how yeah. are things out of your working life? Genuine interest in what is going on with your life. And um, I would say I come from a different culture from Italy, totally different background. Yes. And one of the first things that some dear friend that um, you know always told me is when you say how are you? And they said you actually mean it. But most of people, mm-hmm. they actually is, is kind of a slang kind of thing, right? And, um, and, and, and it's so important to actually stop for a second. And, How is everything going? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. Um, and it's so true because we get, we've become, you know, socially accustomed. It's like how many times do you go to the supermarket and, um, you know, the, the person on the checkout will say to you, oh, you're having a nice day or how are you today? And you answer. And you know they're just going through the motions. And I had a girlfriend the other day who said to me, you know, say, went to the supermarket, the, the, the poor lady on the um, cashier said to her, how are you today? She goes, well, actually, I'm pretty ordinary. This has happened and that's happened. And at the end she said, I felt like I had to apologise <laughs> for being honest but that's what we should be doing. You know, we, we spend our life having this persona of what we should be. Yeah. And when someone says to you, yeah, I'm great. Yep, had a great week. Okay, no, let, you know, let's sit. Let's have a cup of coffee. Let's do that. How are you really? Yeah. You know, how are all the kids going? God, it must have been hard for them over the last two years. Yeah. How's your partner going working from home rather than being in the office? Yeah. You know, just... You don't even have to know their circumstances to know that, you know, if if the last two years have taught us nothing at all, then surely it's taught us that we need to stop, check in and actually take notice, not just give superficial inquiries as to how people are. Yeah, so true. One of the things that we started with Renata um, doing the last couple of years is going to watch the sunset. Yeah. Leave a kilometer from the beach, never go to Black Rock and yep. watch the sunset. Like, come on, you know, yep. live, live the present, you know, enjoy. And you've got a beautiful place in uh, in uh, Half Moon Bay. You never even go enjoy yep. the place. How crazy is that? Um, but it's so true. We spend our time, you know, we, we, we measure our success based on how busy we are. But what about if we measured our success on how much joy we get? Yes. And I think you'd get a really different answer to what we project for majority of people, um, regardless of what they do. And that's what I look for is what what moments of joy do I get? When I came home from a day of being with clients and walk in and said to, you know, my husband, someone said to me today that because of my mentorship, they're going to be a better partner and a better parent. I said, that is the coolest thing in the world because I created joy for someone that they didn't otherwise have because they were too busy focused on just their day-to-day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I think is the best thing that we can do is even when we don't know that people are struggling is just remind them of the joy and what they want to be known for. Mm. 
And I don't, I don't want to be known for that I ran a business for 20 years, but what I want to be known for is that I'm intuitive enough to listen to people and to help them through their celebration to their darkest moment. Yeah. And that's, to me, that's why, you know, we came into the world with no expectations. We should leave the world with having no expectations either. Yes, I love it. And talking about listening to people, you are a lot into leadership as well. What are yeah. some of the characteristics, in your opinion, of, of a leader? You know, leaders that make the difference in organizations or really they make an impact. Yeah, for me, leaders that, that make a difference are the people that create and foster curiosity because curiosity creates success. So for me, curiosity is one of the most important characteristics of a leader because, you know, curiosity stems to having empathy for people, stems to being able to walk in the shoes of the people around you. I don't need someone to stand up in front of me and tell me the strategy and why I should buy into it. I want someone that creates curiosity in me as to how can I do it? So for me, a leader is someone that creates passion, Mm -hmm. that has shared values with their team and respects and values their contribution and encourages them by continually sort of poking the bear and saying, okay, but what about if we did this? And creating a, um, an environment that encourages people to think what today seems impossible, tomorrow I can make possible. I just have to have the confidence and the confidence of people around me mm. because I think too many leaders of business are focused on their preconceived successes, their KPIs, their metrics. Mm-hmm. What about if we flipped that around and said if I actually knew the internal drivers of people, if I knew what got them out of bed with a spring in their step every day, won't success just come? And that's what I try and do as a leader. Mm -hmm. I never want to be the person that, um, you know, is the, well, I've, I've achieved this because of Nikki. No, you haven't. You've achieved this because Nikki gave me the confidence to give it a go. And that's what a leader should do is encourage people to give it a go without fear of consequence. Mm. That's mm. powerful. That's powerful. The other thing I want to ask you is in terms of beliefs, because I think beliefs ultimately are what, you know, lead into, you know, the, the outcome of our life. Because the belief, yeah. it dictates our thought. Our thought dictates how we feel. How we feel dictates our actions. And guess what? Our actions dictates the result of our life what are some of the beliefs that you personally had to change through your journey in in, in business like from where you started to where you are today I think um the beliefs I I've I've been a person that's always seen the good in people Mm. and I also and I had to accept that sometimes people just aren't 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 motivated by the same thing I think the first time someone said to me that I was only doing work for them to get my bill paid is the day I walked away from that client Mm -hmm. because I said, you actually therefore don't truly understand what motivates me. Mm -hmm. 
my business has been successful not because of the budget I put in place, but because I created value that people sustainably wanted to tap into. So for me, my biggest things that I've learned along the way is to make sure that it's you're not just doing a task, that you actually align to the purpose. I'm very much about social purpose and I'm very much around, as I said, the things that put the spring in your step, put the joy in you. Anyone doing business, anyone can take a concept and create a business. But what's the difference between just a concept and a successful exploding potential of a business mm. are the people that passionately believe it and surround themselves with people that will enable it to happen mm. because they also align to that. So mm. to me, things such as values of organisations they can't just be words that are on a beautiful poster on the wall when you walk in. They have to resonate through every conversation. They have to resonate through every action that you take. And so, you know, I talk about, you know, creating some sort of contextual intuition as to everything that you do. So what's the context that I'm doing it? What's the why? And what's the what if? Well, if I did it this way, does that still align to that purpose? Mm. And that's in choosing your customers. That goes back to when people choose you, um, you don't have to say yes. If they don't align to that purpose, if in the HR space they don't believe in the value of their employees and investing in them, then I don't want to be a part of that. Mm. Mm because they don't have the same value set. So whilst I, I, I grew up in, a, in an Anglican religious family, um, I don't go to church every week. I don't take my children to church every week, but I believe so strongly in the process of fairness and equity. I love it. Yeah, no, truly, truly believe that. And then at the end of the day, values is what is going to be your North Star. So you're going to follow those values and, and the tough moments where you feel like, oh, should we go this direction, this direction, the value is what is actually going to drive the, the decision. And, and at the end of the day, mm. if your employees don't really believe in what they do and what you do with that company, they're not going to sell, they're not going to perform, they're not going to want to stick until late. So belief yep. is, is so important. And, and yeah, ultimately leading them. And I think, you know, you've, you've got to give every... Rather than try and give everyone a reason to do their job, why don't you give them a reason to never want to leave? Mm. Like that, that to me, that's a better strategy is give them a reason to never want to leave. Yes. You know, I've worked in organisations where, you know, I kept going, oh, yeah, I've just been here a few years. And then before I know, I've been there 10 years, had a relationship for over 20 years or 17 years because I never had a reason to not want to be there because I didn't feel finished yet. Yes. I didn't feel like I was tapped out on what I could offer. Wow. Um, but when the values then misalign at some point, it's not worth it. So give them always a reason to think of never being anywhere else but there. Yeah. And I mean, the same, the same if you're a solopreneur or if you're working with your partner, you know. Absolutely. You know, me and Renata, we had our vision in common. If she had a totally different vision, it would be a nightmare to work together. 
as well as our customers, when they start to work with us, they need to be aligned with that vision. So uh, completely agree with you. Yeah. I got my last five questions. Are you ready? Okay, start? I'm ready. The first one is, Nikki, if you could write a sentence on a giant billboard that the entire world can read, what would you write? I would write, um, live with empathy, mm. um, but live by your northern star. Love it. Live by your values. I love it. Very good. Really good. The second one is, if you could spend five minutes with Nikki at 16 years old, what mm -hmm. advice would you give? Um, I would, I would uh, give her the advice of love yourself first because you have to live with you all your life. Other people will come and go. So true, so true. That's been a, a power of discovery for me in the last few months, this topic, so 100% on the same line. The third yeah. question is, what is success to you? Success to me is leaving and is having an imprint that changes people's lives. Mm. I'm very much about, you know, about the legacy. You know, my short story of being away from my children on average three weeks a month, having three children, very young children, 10 years ago. So the youngest was six. They all had eight post-it notes each to write why they love their mum. Some of them, the boys wrote that I cooked good uh, chicken schnitzel, <laughs> but my daughter wrote because no matter where you are, I always know you're with me. Yeah. So that to me is, is what I want and that's the imprint of the environment I create for people to be themselves, but to also value what they learn from people and learn from themselves. I love it. I love it. Really good. What is the best advice that you ever received from someone? Best advice I ever received from someone um, was um, from my mum. And my advice from my mum, which every day I have a cup of cup that I bought when I was nursing her prior to her death, and it said I have a cup of tea with her every day. And the advice that she gives me is just no matter how funny you are, no matter how successful you are, remember that it's only about the people that are standing with you on that journey. Yes. So... It's not about having the bright and shiny to impress anyone else. Yeah. It's about being loved by the people closest to you. Yes, I love it. I love it. Well, before my last question, where can people find you online if they want to work with you? How can they get in touch, Nikki? Yeah, so look, they can reach out um, through my website on uh, nikkimackie.com.au or through peopleassets.com.au and also through our new uh, business, uh, aware online group 
um, and watch out for um, my business partners, Sarah Godfrey and myself on socials and on our podcast on all major podcast channels. Awesome. My last question is, what is the impact that you want to make on others? The impact I want to, to make on others is to find their own value that they keep walking past. Mm. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Nikki, thank you so much for your time thank and you. sharing some you know amazing content. It's been great having you here. Thank you. It's been fantastic.